perfect combination. <clears throat> All right. All right. We looks like we're now live on Facebook. Um, we were just talking about scarves and talking about drive-bys <laughs> and, and the kind of office drive-by that can disrupt you in the middle of what you're doing. But we are a good disruption this morning. And that is because we are talking about sales, growing sales, nurturing sales, coming up with sales systems. So by the end of this webinar, I am confident that those people who are watching are going to up their sales game. Now, one of the questions I like to ask people uh, is how much they like something and then how good they are at it. And they're a, they're a 10 point question, not like you score 10 points, but it's on a scale of one to 10. So before nobody even knows who you are at this point, I want to set a okay. baseline Great. on a scale of one to 10. How much do you love sales as a process or as something just a, a one to 10? What's your, what's your initial reaction? 11. Okay. Awesome. And from a skill set level, from your talent, your abilities, your, uh, your guru-ness and, and talents when it comes to sales, aside from liking it, cause you can still be good at it and not like it. Scale of one to 10, where are you at? My skill set? Yeah. Uh, your ability as a, as a, as a closer from a scale of one to 10. That's a very difficult question without sounding arrogant. I don't think that there's anyone that's even going to be at an eight because you have to constantly be working on perfecting your skill set. Um, I love what it. What I do have, and um, I'm confident that even my team has, is just the desire and willingness to learn. Um, and I think that takes you, and when you like something and you work hard at it, that's when you start loving it and then you start becoming a master. Um, now, that, that is a masterful question that is calculated from a saleswoman who is well beyond the scale of one to 10 because you took it at the face value and you said, look, it's not about being a 10 or 11. I don't want to sound arrogant. I'm at the end of the day, always learning. And I think that the reason why we have somebody like you on the show is so that we can learn from you. And the show, for those of you who are just joining us and you're excited to learn how you can answer questions when it comes to sales on a scale of one to 10 to be at 11 or above, you are watching the this the scale up heroes podcast now not startup but scale up because these are people who are in the money they're getting some funding and they're looking at growth and they're scaling so you can check out all these at at scaleupacademy.io but today we're going to jump into it and we have uh the lovely nasman kurban yes hi nasma kurban but yeah nasma kurban <laughs> I, I i wanted to see she said she guaranteed that i couldn't get it right the first time and this is perfect because that's what happens but I want to. I want you to have a chance to introduce yourself. Tell us about a little bit about your background, your company, so we have a good baseline. And then we're just going to drill down and come up with as many great nuggets of information when it comes to the magic of sales. Great. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. I really appreciate it. And um, so my name is Nasma Kerban. I'm VP of Sales for Cognizant. So I have a background in sales, recruitment sales. I did a couple of years in the tech space, and I joined Cognizant just under two years ago as the first employee and the first salesperson um, in the business. We've gone from one person to 14 in our sales team. We've gone from four um, people within the four employees at Cognizant to well, we're, we're almost hitting 60. So really exciting times and all in the space of well, under two years. Wow, that's amazing. Now, explain a little bit more about Cognizant for somebody who doesn't understand what you guys do. 
Okay, great. So Cognizum is a sales intelligence, um, a sales intelligent technology company, and we help businesses automate their sales process and help them find their next best opportunity. So we help with the initial stage of the sales process, which is all about filling up your uh, pipeline, understanding who your target audience is and giving you smarter ways of engaging with them uh, to move them to the next um, step of sales process. So why I'm excited is to learn from a sales company who is selling sales tools, yeah. right? You've got to be a good salesman to sell to sell to other salesmen and saleswomen. I have to be honest with you. I in no, none of my other roles was I set, selling to salespeople, and it was quite a daunting prospect uh, starting off um, or, or building out a sales process and having to sell uh, to other sales, um, sales uh, directors or experts in the field. So it's been a huge learning experience for me, um, but they're the easiest people to sell to. Really? I like this. Not only is it I a mean, tongue twister really to sell to sales people. Yeah. Now why, why, why are salespeople easier to sell to? Sale, sale. <laughs> word, okay, as a disclaimer, we're gonna be messing up the word sale and sale to sale, sale, because we're just gonna be using it today. But why is it easier to sell I, see, I'm a sailor, so every time I think sail, I'm like thinking sailboat. <laughs> but how, why is it easier to sell to a salesperson? Because I think if you're a salesperson and you've been trained well and you understand the sales process, you listen. And um, and so if perhaps if you are if someone calls you or someone stops you in the street, regardless of what someone's selling, you're a lot more open to listening and mm. understanding how they can help. Whereas a lot of other Personas, if you wish, uh, probably won't have that same sort of skill set or um, are a lot more open to because it's our job day to day. So we understand and appreciate what that means. Um, it's hard being a salesperson because, you know, you, you start off usually as an SDR. So you're calling people and you're making 75 dial, dials a day and you're probably told no 74 times. And so you understand how difficult it is. So you're a lot more open to this. Well, let's start like top level and let's talk about some of the main challenges when actually starting a team. So I know that your technology helps people with the automation process, but it all comes down to having those people in the seats or standing up or wherever they are on the streets or knocking on doors. What are some of those top challenges, uh, whether it's, you know, the first person that you hire um, and then eventually to scaling, but just from somebody who's starting off or, or looking to take that jump? Okay, so for me, I believe that the key ingredient, well, there's two. One is process and the second is people. These are the key ingredients of building a successful business, full stop. Um, and so we, Cognizant uh, and myself and all the other leaders in our business, we invest a lot of time into um, nurturing people and, of course, hiring, retaining um, those individuals. So for us, um, finding those right individuals we place a lot of like we prioritize and 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 put a lot of energy and efforts into um, bringing the right individuals on board so first of all we understand how important it is to bring people on board um, and when it comes to cha challenges around sales people and hiring sales team i think um it was really difficult in the beginning because, I mean, I've never done this before. I've had a background in sales, but building out a sales team, um, you're bound to make mistakes, which is okay because some mistakes you're just going to make through experience. Um, and I think what happened was when we 
started off um, myself and my CEO James Islay we sat down and we thought okay right we're going to hire these individuals that are going to be representing Cognizant so representing representing the business so what does that look like so um, we wrote a list down a checklist as most people do and um, someone who's ambitious someone who's smart someone who's sharp and we had a list we had a a criteria a checklist of all of the attributes that we're looking for and we started the sales process and what we found was that well we weren't as successful as we'd hoped so we reviewed the checklist and then started understanding where we were going wrong and where we were going wrong was that we were deviating from that checklist and that checklist may have and there's a few reasons for that one would be um if my ceo really liked somebody and i didn't i didn't want to say no because I didn't want to disappoint him and vice versa. And just the, one of the very first things was we end up we involved a lot of other people um, in the sales process, um, in the interview process, sorry. And so what that meant was that, well, it was really difficult for us because there's only two of us in the London office. So we lent on advisors and we lent on, um, on, on board members to actually be involved in the interview process. And then as we've grown, now what we do is we involve others within the business and we don't deviate from the checklist. So we, we're not worried about saying no, we're not worried about upsetting anyone because this is our business and we want the right people with the right culture, with the right attitude and the right energy. And so that's what we've done. We put a checklist together, we don't deviate from it and we are open enough to, to say no. And any doubts, we just move on. Mm, there's a lot to unpack there. So this idea of a checklist was sort of your your compass that you set up. Mm -hmm. But then even within that checklist, you have different opinions based on what those qualities are. So you, you still even have a split. You've got one party who likes it, likes the person, one party who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And it almost, would you say that um, you're reverse engineering the cell when you're you're really looking at the qualities and traits that you want first and then fitting those to that person um, as opposed to the person coming in and seeing what qualities they bring. So are you really saying we want somebody with these qualities first and matching those people to it? It sounds like that was the, the main yeah, strategy. Absolutely. We're not hiring. So this is something that's quite unique to Cognizant. So we believe in organic growth, which means that we bring in inexperience um, graduates or even sometimes they're not graduates, someone who's willing to learn the, the, the trade. Um, mm. It's worked really well with us. But what I've understood is uh, it doesn't matter how much training you've had or how great you are, there are certain um, skill sets that are really quite difficult to determine during the interview process. And that's why it's quite important to involve others. But something like grit, having the right attitude, being super positive um, and being resilient. These are attributes that we look for. So not necessarily a checklist of um, and it's someone's qualifications as such, more about them as a character and their personality and whether they have that grit. Now, I think it's really interesting about hiring, not necessarily for sales experience. And do you find that that gives you a better opportunity to really train somebody in sort of a non-biased way in your approach? Because I've heard of the argument that if you hire somebody who is a, you know, has been doing sales at another company for five or 10 years, they're most likely going to be set in a certain way of selling that they think. So is this fresher perspective something that you find you have more control over the process as you're building out this team? Absolutely. And I've really, you mentioned about learning, um, learning from individuals. And I feel like I've learned a lot from my team on a day-to-day -day basis. So we hire super smart, innovative um, 
young professionals um, who are contributing. And one of the main reasons why they want to work for a startup is so that they can contribute. So for me, it's really important to hire people that can actually really come up and bring the new ideas, new technology, introduce new technology and new ways of working. And so for me, I think it's quite important to create a process that works and this is you know, metrics driven but also how someone who could think outside of the box and I feel like I've been able to get a lot of that um, from bringing in um, those people who don't have experience because they come with they don't have any bias they don't have yeah they, they're not they don't come with oh, bad habits or um, how people historically have done business so I think that's definitely helped with with what we have today at Cognizant. And what I think is great about that advice is for somebody who's out there thinking that they might want to explore sales, it's not a disadvantage if you don't have years and years of sales experience. It's just it's a little advantage. bit. Yeah, it, it is. So it is, it is an advantage. You, I think it comes down to that, that learner mentality, right? If you just get stuck in your ways of that, you, that you've been doing them, you, you're not finding these creative alternatives. I guess my question, once you get individuals in there that are maybe newer to the sales environment, how do you structure your teams? Because the, the, the environment in which people are working with how they have certain leadership and management, is it, uh, is it a hierarchy system that you set up? Do you have an account, you know, a manager of managers from a structural standpoint? Um, how do you, how do you build the, uh, I guess the runway for your sales team? Okay. What does that so look like? So for us, and um, there's a lot of businesses that are similar to us, so I'm just going to talk about my experience at Cognizant and how we've built our sales engine and, uh, and the sales uh, team function itself. So we, everyone comes in as an SDR, which means that your role and your, your role and your responsibility is purely to generate meetings. So every single person in the sales team has done that, including myself. Um, and after you've uh, hit your metrics, your role is to fill someone's diary. Once you fill someone's diary, what that means is that there's an open capacity. So we need someone to actually be attending those demonstrations, attending those meetings. So there's a new role that opens up because the person that is generating those meetings has exceeded the target. Once that happens, um, we don't hire, I don't hire for that senior role externally. So I'd have to look at somebody internally and then fill that gap from the bottom. So the mm. way that there's two main teams, we have an SDR team, that team predominantly just, sets meetings and then once when they get to the next stage they are then attending meetings and so they become closers and they have a revenue target rather than a meetings book target so we have two main teams um, and we have a manager that sits on top of the SDR team who reports directly to me so we have one manager and then the BDMs report directly to myself hmm. so it sounds like I you are bringing people without experience, but then you're putting them in a lower level position to get their feet wet and understand the system from the, the original generation of that process. Because if you were to just stick somebody in a sales role and they get fed leads, they might not have the respect or have the backdrop on how those it. leads got there, right? Absolutely. And I think once you can do that also, when you do the job, um, you, you're really close to it. So I was the only salesperson. So I did, I, I was cold calling. I was generating the meetings. I was closing. So and a man, manager, what works really well is that I, I understand the entire sales process and I understand how painful it can be. So as a manager, being able to resonate with every single person in the team is super important and understand the product inside out. You don't want your best performer to have better pro product knowledge than you do as a leader. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Now, when it comes to the actual 
the blood of this whole system, which is the lead generation, right? You can have uh, an amazing person who's got the grit, who's fresh uh, and ready to learn, and you put him in a chair, or he's standing up, or she's standing up, and then the phone doesn't ring, or the internet doesn't bing, and there's no leads, the whole system breaks down. So yep. talk to me about how important a reliable lead generation system is, just how crucial that is. And do you see that people maybe set up sales and focus on that structure and that and that sort of leadership and system? But if you don't have the leads, the whole thing doesn't work. So how important is lead generation to a company that is essentially selling? Absolutely. And as a startup, scaling and myself being part of that process, if I just sat on my seat and just waited for the leads to come to me, I wouldn't be here right now. So I think right. it's absolutely crucial to be proactive and to outreach to people. Because if you're a new business, you're starting up or you're scaling up, nobody knows about you. You're trying to get the word out there. Now, if you've got something that's super innovative, they probably don't even know that you exist, so they won't even Google you. So you won't have those inbounds. And if you don't have the right branding or you're not spending, if you don't have a huge marketing budget, you're not going to get those inbounds come in so for us we've actually built our entire sales process on outbound and um, so every single individual when they join our, our business they have a, a certain target market they we um, give them training on exactly what the product is what the script would look like and um, what the messaging is and how we add value uh, now fortunately for us we have an all uh, an outbound sales automation tool so our team including myself uh, we have um, a database of 100 million b2b profiles and so giving them the resource giving them the um the, the data um and the process to follow because they have no idea and you'd be surprised how many businesses will just give their new salesperson a laptop and a LinkedIn profile, for example, and say, here you go, now you can go and sell. So I think what's really important is that mm. we're feeding them with the leads and we're just trying to eliminate any uh, manual work. So manual research, a lot of businesses are having the SDR spend 60% of the time doing the research and finding the right contact details. So we eliminate that. Um, so the team have data to, uh, to call immediately. Uh, and then also having an engagement tool. So having uh, the ability to outreach to a larger number of, uh, of prospects in a short amount of time. So we streamline and automate that process. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've had, we have a, um, a successful sales process um, that is predictable because we eliminated all of that manual work that historically um, most businesses um, yeah, having the sales. And you're using your product, your software to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a great story. It's a great story. Yeah. You know, you, you are literally, um, and it's all outbound too, which is interesting because I think when people think of leads, I think the, the maybe connotation is that these leads come in from somewhere and mm -hmm. The point that you're making about if you have a product that nobody knows about or if it's innovative enough that it's not even searchable they don't know what they're not able to find mm -hmm. so an outbound lead strategy um, would you then say that your sales team is really your marketing team because that's usually a huge challenge for for companies especially as they're scaling the communication between the marketing team that has the outbound messages that generates the buzz the leads the the attention to then pass it off over to the sales. So are your salespeople really marketing and how does that, that mesh together? 
Yeah, or do you have a whole other separate marketing team too? We do have a separate marketing team. Um, it's, it's interesting because I've actually seen certain businesses that have the SDRs actually sitting under marketing. And then they had this sales team as just closers. So I genuinely do believe that as a sales function, we are marketers and what we, we're not just sitting back and just having the leads come to us. We are proactively finding those prospects. What our marketing function does is they uh, look at the branding, get the awareness up and generate content. And we do have inbounds and we do have people that visit our website and register for demonstrations, but that's a bonus. That's nice to have. But if mm. we have... Uh, our technology in itself is a sales automation tool. So it's not what marketing people or marketing tools tend to do is they um, allow you to outreach to a large number of businesses. And once you get that engagement with the content, then you pass it on to, off to your sales team. So what we do is we just automate that process. So our sales team are responsible for marketing the, well, not marketing the product, but getting the word out there and engaging with those individuals. Do you find culturally that that's a challenge for you of who is taking uh, not the credit for, but sort of the ownership of that marketing process? Uh, do you see that the relationship between sales and marketing is one where it's symbiotic or is there kind of butting heads and it's like, well, well, we're doing this. Well, well, we're doing this. How does culturally that work? It works perfectly. We're on the same team. So the end result is always like, what is the revenue? What is the target? And we all have our metrics set out. Um, my responsibility is to generate leads through an outbound process as, uh, as well as um, closing that revenue. And my marketing team's objective is to uh, generate inbounds, generate content that is going to help with feeding in leads and nurturing those leads. So we have our roles are clearly set out and mm. we're winning if we're closing business. And so we're completely aligned um, in that respect, respect uh, in that respect. And also because we're a scale up, we, we've done this together. So we're all part of this. We, we've done this journey together. And um, I think perhaps in like, large businesses, when there's a lack of communication, it, it could get a bit um, confusing, uh, but certainly right. not. Interesting. So I'm going to go sort of metaphysical for a second when it comes to sales. I would argue that people make buying decisions in a general sense on two terms. One is to solve a problem or mm. another one is to maybe uh, seek pleasure essentially or some, do something better. So for you and your sales team and this methodology as you're out there and you're branding your products, do you typically lean towards more of a communicating that uh, you have this problem and we have the solution or is it that you need this solution to do uh, something even better or faster or with more automation? Do you tend to lean towards sharing the problem that you're solving or sort of putting the solution out there saying this is a better widget? I think we definitely do a bit of both because a lot of the times there's a problem and the problem is that they don't quite understand how much time and how, um, yeah, how much time their sales team is spending doing these manual tasks and how frustrating it, frustrating it can become to them. And once they see that a tool can completely um, automate that process, they understand there's a solution out there. So a lot of our, a lot of the conversations that we have are educational. So we're educating them in, in what our product can do and what they can um, solve. And in turn, they have a happier sales team and they are, and they understand how we can actually automate and accelerate um, the, the pipeline and the growth of their pipeline and the growth of their revenue uh, through using the platform. So perhaps we're in a fortunate position where we're able to um, deliver our message 
by solving a, a problem and also um, yeah, providing them with, with some sort of pleasure because it's a nice to have and it's uh, yeah, it makes a life a lot more easier. Interesting. It's, it's, it's nice to be able to play both of those angles based on it. When you're looking at a sales approach for, uh, you know, a software or some sort of technology, um, when, when you're looking at approaching, especially since you're on an outbound, do you feel that you are approaching uh, at a certain targeted level? Are you, are you targeting the executives or is it interesting in that you're sort of targeting the salespeople to then have them sort of red flag it up to the leadership? At, at what point do you try to insert and start that sales process? Okay, so it definitely depends on industry size. It depends on the company size. And so the, we, the, these are two things that we look at. We also look at the, where we can add value. So a lot of the times with larger businesses, we add value through um, the marketing function and because the marketing function runs marketing campaigns and they need data. And it's a, it's a massive pain point. And that's, that's, we do have a product that solves that that problem and then at the same time you also have a solution that can help the sales team and the sales directors or the vp of sales and so and then we also are able to add value um, and demonstrate that value to um, key executives and so we're never limited to a certain persona and um, but we do start top down so we we um, start having a look at um, who would be the decision maker and if we're not if we're unable to get through to them then we would look at um, those who are because I mean the end goal is that we are in front of those decision makers um, and we've A-B tested a lot of different personas um, and what we found was that we had a, a far um, shorter sales cycle when we're engaged with the executives at the, um, from the offset. Gotcha. I, I feel like we were just in a sales meeting right then. Like, you know, it's like, okay, we're talking about what's going on. I'm curious to know what your, the meeting schedule looks like. Is it a weekly? Is it a monthly? Is there always a stand up? And like, what does a typical sales agenda, sales meeting agenda look like? Because I okay, feel like great. I was just there. <laughs> great. If that's an amazing question, because I think that's something that is, um, that is definitely driven um, alignment with our team and also with the marketing team. So I run weekly stats and, and a lot of businesses and a lot of sales leaders, they look at um, metrics on a monthly basis, some even quarterly when you get to the larger businesses. I think what's really important is that because I'm reviewing the data, the metrics on a weekly basis, I'm able to quickly identify exactly where the shortfall is. So we have golden benchmarks and if we fall behind those golden benchmarks, I'm able to identify exactly what's gone wrong and correct it so that it, it's, it doesn't continue. Uh, now, for, for me, I do that usually on a Sunday evening. And on the Monday, we can talk about where we've had success, where we haven't had success. Um, we have uh, both functions um, within sales. So the meeting books and the closes, we, we're all aligned. I understand exactly if there are any issues, what, we, what I can do to make their lives easier. So it's always on a weekly basis um, and we run monthly one-to-ones where we can deep we can dive deeper into um you know what their metrics look like what their results were where they need the coaching where they need help and um, but i definitely think that putting aside an hour and a half on a weekly basis with the entire sales team definitely ensures that we're all aligned and if there is anything that i can do to make the lives easier that uh, it's communicated in an open uh, safe form. 
Yeah, I like that weekly format. One thing you said, I'm not sure on, you said, I, I'm not sure if you said goals and benchmarks or if you said golden benchmarks. Golden benchmarks. I thought golden that was kind of cool. So so I've heard of benchmarks, but I've never heard of golden benchmarks. Well, it's and, my thing. It's my thing. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I think it's pretty cool. And I'm assuming that, that it's not just a benchmark. It's like more of a specific benchmark with a more measurable metric that actually turns it into uh, something that's gold, which allows you to sort of Outlet. cash in. Mm -hmm. Outlet, exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to sort of circle back to the very beginning because we talked about how to build a sales team and you talked about the individuals. But once you now have a system that's set up and you have the leadership and management uh, understanding everybody's roles and you've got the combination and cultural fit with the marketing and then you've got the outbound lead generation and every week you're working on metrics and you're chasing after sitting down and hanging out on the golden benchmarks. But how do you keep and maintain your top talent? How do you get the, the next rock star? Um, I know that you internally develop them. So is your whole process of retainment start at recruitment? Um, because you get a system, but life happens and your star goes somewhere else or, or, or whatnot. How do you maintain and retain and attract top talent, specifically given that you're kind of looking for new, fresh talent? So how do you balance that? I love that question. That's the question of this podcast for sure. <laughs> I think that is so, so important. And I, so the way, where it starts is absolutely from the offset, so during the interview process, understanding exactly what the culture looks like, what types of individuals you'd want as part of your sales process. Once you get them on board, the most difficult thing is absolutely trying to retain them. So a few things that we do. Um, first of all, we ensure that's the right culture fit, uh, because I love my job, I love coming to work, and I feel like my team absolutely feel the same way, because we're all friends, so we're friends, um, we, we have this culture, which um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be part of. Where we're we're, we're a team, so it's mm. uh, we just completely support each other. So retaining staff means making it an enjoyable, enjoyable place to work. Um, it's also aligning your business objectives. So as a business, it's me aligning my business objectives with actually their goals. So understanding, taking the time out to understand exactly what this star individual which they are all stars um in cognizant and um, so exactly what the goals goals looks looks look like and then creating measurable uh, like golden benchmarks and so understanding exactly where they want to be what they need to do to get there and giving them the support to get there so they are driven because they get to where they need to be they love coming to work and they are celebrated so celebration is key to our culture at Cognizant. Um, so every time that we, there's a there's a meeting booked, you still hear some of the guys just clapping like crazy. And every time that there's a meeting booked, we celebrate every opportunity. We're just always celebrating each other's success. And it's really important, important to do so. Not only it keeps you aligned as a team, but also you, the individuals that are there feel like they are valued. Uh, so that is really important. Something else, uh, and I think this goes back to but um, so us as a company and having this organic growth, that's definitely helped to retain staff because they know that I'm not going to find another superstar and then um, decide to bring that person in to take their role that they were promoted to. So loy having loyalty works both ways. So loyalty 
we need to as a business and uh, as leaders and um, give that loyalty and honor our word and ensure that we're doing what we can to um, honor um, you know what we discussed in the interview process um, because once yeah. you make the decision as long as they're willing to work hard then and that's all you really need someone who you know is smart enough sharp enough you know the right culture fit and as long as they're willing to work hard then that's the perfect formula of retaining staff if you can celebrate and um, just make sure that you're constantly um, aligned awesome and i loved not only what you said but how you said it you just like you and your scarf were just like glowing it was almost like there was wind that was created and it was like you're like yes this is it uh but that really is is a crux because if you're not creating a culture that gets people excited to come to work then it doesn't matter what your sales structure looks like it doesn't matter how many leads are coming in because it's not sustainable so i want to i want to dig into three different elements within that answer one you said that you want to make sure it's a cultural fit and I understand that. And that makes sense. But can you give me an example of one of these tests? Um, you know, what is the what is the golden hurdle that they have to jump over in order to know that they're on track for the golden bench? Is it that, um, you know, you in the interview process, you go out to drinks with them and other employees to sort of see if there's a fit? Because we talk about culture. But mm -hmm. how do how do you uh, what, what is one of those tests to make sure that they're correct? And does it happen before or after you've hired them? Yeah, it's a bit difficult, the whole drink thing, because you don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable if they don't drink. And I know right. that, um, I mean, we certainly have a big drinking culture here, but that's just... Well, that's yeah, well just so, reality, so re but... replace drinking with uh, with maybe coffee or something. But, you know, there's oh, okay. a strategy of, of meeting a potential employee outside mm -hmm. of the office. But I'm just, I'm really curious, because it sounds like you have a great culture, but how, how um, do you... Okay, so as I mentioned before, it's quite difficult to have others involved in the interview process um, right. when we were a smaller business. But now that we've got larger, every single person, every single interviewee sits with someone who's actually doing their job and talks oh. about the role openly and honestly. And that's something that I encourage because I don't want anyone to uh, join the business with, um, with just... with. Um, not really Miss aligned with expectation. The reality is it's a really difficult job. So I really, I, I think it's quite important to be honest about it. You don't want someone to come, come in first, so first week and think, oh my God, I did not sign up for this. So I, we absolutely spend time, but also because there's four people doing this sales, uh, sorry, interview process, it's not just them meeting someone who's doing their role, but I get to spend quite a lot of time with them. I don't actually, our interview process, I come in final stage. So they just do a presentation. And then it's just me and them. And I just don't ask them any tricky sales questions because that's all out of the way. I just want to get to know them and right. understand their motivators, what they like doing in the spare time, how their friends would describe them um, and just have a candid conversation that you would have with your friends. So I I get to know them on a personal level. Yeah, um, I, and I, and I, hmm? yeah I, I like that you're not, I mean, it sounds like the interview process is more of a process. And the fact you're putting them with somebody who's in their role and that person can give you a good judgment uh, of what their feel is for it. And then exactly. you can just get a chance to get to know them mm. as opposed to knowing that they have this guard up where they're trying to answer all the right questions. You're just getting to know them. Yeah, exactly. I remember one of my team, he said the best thing about the interview was as soon as everyone left, you just put your laptop down and said, I want to get to know you, like, tell me what you like doing. And I think that's so important because I'm, I'm working with them. I really want to enjoy the people that I work with. It's so important. And uh, so I just need to make sure that person is someone that I can have a coffee with, go for a drink with. We spend a lot of time 
eight hours a day minimum with each other. So um, I want to like them. I want to be able to get to yeah and i love the visual the visual of a laptop closed like literally like okay you know you've talked you've done this physically shutting the laptop putting it aside and being like now let's talk yeah (laughs) that's exactly it okay so the second the second thing i want to pull out is you talked about really making sure that the objectives of the company is also meeting the goals of the individual and uh, this is something i'm passionate about and i'm curious do do you guys use the word or think of the word the combo of words, personal branding, when it comes uh, to employee development, because there's this fine line of supporting your employees to be amazing at what they're at and following their goals and their dreams and making a difference how they can. Uh, But at the same time, you know, reining them back in to focus on what you need them to do as a company. So do you feel like you are in this process of objectives and goal matching, really, truly supporting your employees and their personal branding and their development that it's okay that 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 other people can see how amazing they are as an expert or are you fearful of people plucking them and you just sort of lock them up and be like no i doubt it's the second but what do you feel that supporting your employees and their salespeople in their personal brand development is that part of your process uh absolutely so i have uh two of my first sdrs now both senior bd uh, business development managers so hmm both within a space of a year have become senior business development managers. That's been great for their career. They both want, well, one of them um, got top third, uh, sorry, uh, top three um, sales talent for the future. The other got top five, fifth at sales talent for the future. So I'm really working, encouraging them to go to events, talk at events. And actually most recently, I just love that we're having this conversation at this time because it's just the perfect time for me to talk about this because it was only last week when um, I was having my one-to-ones and I said, next year, I want it to be all about you and about your personal brand. I want you to post on LinkedIn. I want you to really get your brand out there because this is all about you, your job. You may be at Cognizant for, you know, three years, five years, but you need to think about, you know, how, uh, you know, you can grow as an individual and how you can get your brand out there. So I think that's really important because you want them to feel like you're on their side and you're helping them grow and just give them all the resources. And if they want to go on courses, they just let, they'll just ping me and I say, here you go. If there's, you know, any opportunity for them to, you know, showcase their talent or talk about their experiences, um, I think it's super, super important. And um, yeah so you, that- you literally you literally gave me goosebumps when you're talking about that because you were so excited about it and i i keep trying to like rattle the corporate cages to let them understand that there's there's no fear that they're going to leave you know they'll eventually leave but if you support them for what they want to do in life they're going to not want to leave they're, they're going to become loyal and you talked about loyalty being both ways all right last little ping question before my final question you talked about celebrating successes which is great and you said we celebrate everything So the question that comes to my mind is, have you created a culture where people are self-reporting or is this uh, uh, something that management and leaders are looking for and calling people on these small victories, right? Because that's, or is it a combination? But, you know, celebrating small victories is great, but like, do you have somebody who's like, hey, I just finished this book, like, yay. Or do you, a manager's like, hmm, I see that you finished that book, yay. Like, what's the combo between self-reporting success and managers finding and celebrating success so one of my senior vdms uh closed a deal with a, a huge publisher today and i uh, the, the guys on the phone as soon as they got off the phone i just 
made an announcement and he just looked at me and he said I hate it when you do that I know <laughs> he loves it um but yeah absolutely otherwise I mean I don't um I mean no I don't think there's ever been a situation where they've been like oh hey I'll close this deal because I'll get there before them so okay, right. if, I, if I don't get them their peers would so even if it's someone else who's another BDM and um, there's times when I just pick someone else say hey should, do, do you want to make the announcement for this promotion and you know he got up and he's like guys can can I have a moment of, of everyone's time your attention and then they talk about the promotion and congrats 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 congratulations yeah exactly so we all celebrate and it's really important because I really never and I've worked in corporates and I worked in smaller businesses and I really don't like that dog eat, dog eat dog culture where everyone's in it for themselves and I really believe that you can get the most the best out of people when they feel like they work with with someone who's on their team and so we're all on the same team and we're all celebrating and supporting each other that's super important and it's it's our culture. It's our celebration culture. Yeah. And, and I love that, that you literally call him on it. And he's like, ah, oh, I hate it when you do that. But secretly, you know, he's like, yeah. I know he likes it. He's probably watching right now. Just so I know you <laughs> like it. <laughs> awesome. No, that's great. So uh, from just a business sense, I, I really feel like I've got a good inside scoop. And I kind of want to buy your product now just because, uh, you know, it sounds like it's working so well for you as a company that it would work for me or, or anybody along those lines. It definitely um, will. It will. Good. But the question, the, the one tweet question within that, yeah, it's good, good. The one tweet question is, um, do you guys focus more on, you know, small to medium business or these enterprise? And is the sales, is the sales process totally different or do you just kind of smash them all in together because they, they, they have the same problem? Okay. So as a startup, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of startups that are, um, on this call because they want to or are, are listening because they want to understand exactly yeah they want to automate because that's a huge problem for them yeah yeah and they want to understand exactly how to do that so how to really understand what your addressable market looks like so for us when we started like any business we wanted the big enterprises the salesforce the microsoft and so we were cold calling we were outreaching going to our networks helping our networks and trying to start these conversations but the reality is that we are a startup and um, our technology may not have actually been like enterprise ready at that time. And this was right. way back in the beginning. So are we going to, and then I, I, we had to make a decision. Are we going to continue outreach and trying to get these big brands on our books, on our website, these logos. Um, but then once you get into the, into the process or into the, once they get into your pipeline, are you going to close them? What's the, the probability of that? So, and also actually engaging with them is significantly uh, more difficult. And because we can help any business that is B2B, uh, we decided to go after the SMB mid-market. And so we got a lot of traction. We went from two to nearly 200 customers. And so now we have enterprise businesses coming to us. Mm. So now we know that this is the right time to, uh, for us to invest in those larger businesses. They're engaging with us. We've got our brand awareness. So as a small business, I would highly recommend and just trying to get as many customers under your belt rather than um, just go for the big brands because they'll come to you, essentially. If you're adding value and you can solve a problem, they'll come to you. And it's going to be so much more difficult as a startup unless, you know, you're, um, you know, you know somebody um, in a business that is willing to. But if you're looking to create a pretty good revenue engine, it's going to be a lot more difficult um, to do that at mass. 
Yeah. And as you said, it's kind of alluring at the beginning because you want those big names and you want this validation that you're yeah. working with these big companies, but uh, it's a chicken and the egg. So as you say, mm -hmm. you, you build it and then they'll come. All right. My final question. If you were to give advice to your younger self, not saying that you're old, <laughs> what type of sales okay, advice yeah. would you give yourself uh, to, you know, 10x where you are today? Uh, the, the one magic trick, the one small thing that you could have added to your to your skill set sooner. I don't. Can I? Can I say more than one skill set? Well, you can. Okay, you. you can. How about this? You can say two of them or three, and then I'll choose my favorite one, and then we still get one out of it. Okay. So uh, back yourself. That is definitely. I, I think that is definitely Wait, the one. Back, back yourself. <laughs> But okay, so back yourself. At, oh, back yourself. Yeah. And I think okay. if you back yourself, you don't give up and you're resilient and you don't care what anyone says. Because when I started this role, I had no experience in managing a team or a sales process. And I learned everything from, from, from scratch because I backed myself, even though uh, there were situations, including investors that we had, including people that were my peers that may have not thought that well, you can build something, but I just backed myself. See, I, I've never heard of that term before. Is that a is that a Londoner thing? Maybe. Back yourself. Should, should I explain to you, you what that means? No, I know what it is now. Okay, this is, but you know, it's I had never heard that, and I've heard a lot of things. But back yourself. It's almost like you know, you look for backers of your company, you look for supporters. Back yourself. Get your own yeah. back. Okay, I like that. No one else is That's going, going to be to. hard for you Unless to come. Unless you're a leader like me, no one else is going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be hard for you to come up with a better tip than that. So what was another one that you're thinking? And then I'll no, be the that judge. was it. Actually, I that thought about lots of things and then that word came to my mind. And I thought, you know, if I back myself, then I have confidence. I, I believe in my ability. And if I back myself, I'm going to work hard because I know what the output is going to be if I back myself. So there you go. And, and as a advice for a company, which you are obviously adhering to, if you back your employees and help them to learn to back themselves, yep. you've got all the backups you need to just have an awesome organization that's selling and not just selling, but enjoying the process of selling. Absolutely. My CEO backs me. I back my team. I back myself. My team backs their peers. So we're all about back. I love that. That's, yeah, I I, love that. this is Actually. this is good. Like we might have to start a new podcast called Back Yourself. Back, backing yourself, yeah. I like yeah, that. backing yourself. Yeah, I like this. I don't think we do that enough. So. No, you're right. And it, we talk about believing in ourselves, but when you talk about believing in yourself, it's sort of this like, yeah, I believe I can do it. But if you're backing yourself, you're like, no, no, no. I've got somebody holding up against me so you cannot fall. And mm -hmm. you know, you might fall on yourself, but we've all fallen on ourselves a few times. So it comes back to what we said in the very beginning, which is learning. And your answer to the second question of on a scale of one to 10, how great of a salesperson are you? You gave a better answer than a number and you said, I'm always learning. So I appreciate the notes and crazy stuff that I have here today that I will keep with me. Um, things like loyalty works both ways. Things like be willing to work hard. And finally, and first, second, and third place advice, back yourself, back yourself, back yourself. Love that. Well, hey, this has been tons of fun. Next time I'm in London, we're definitely hanging out. Um, I want to learn more about this sales tool just as it is. Like I'm sold on it. Um, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. And regardless of whether or not I can ever pronounce your name, I think that we are from here on out, friends. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much <laughs> for taking time out. This has been fun.
So for somebody who is a startup or an enterprise and they want to get in touch or they want to learn more about this, where would they go? Like they're all fired up. They're going to type on their keyboard. They're going to search in something. Where, where, do they, where do they head so they can talk to a salesperson? www.cognizant.com and fill out the form. And Damn. we'll call you in less than 60 seconds. Wow. I might do, just do that for fun because if, if you're bored, if you're ever bored and you want to talk to somebody, there you go. But if you don't get anything in your inbox in the next five minutes, I'll be very disappointed at someone in my team. <laughs> so. All right. Well, good. Hey, uh, everybody keep looking for those golden benchmarks because it's not just a metric. It's something to sit down and enjoy and celebrate with your team. Uh, cheersing, whether it's coffee, tea, soda pop or beer, who knows? Hey, this has been a lot of fun. And uh, anybody else who wants to take this type of information from heroes that are in this scale-up world that are literally, whether they have a cape or a scarf, they are flying through uh, and they're helping people out. You can check out scaleupacademy.io. We do this every Monday. Join us. We bring in amazing people from around the world. And, uh, you know, Nazam, this has been a lot of fun. So you enjoy <laughs> your Monday and, uh, and continue to crush it. Appreciate your time. Okay, bye. <laughs> See ya.